Well, hey, I am so pumped to start this series with you all. But before we start, I kind of want to take a little poll just to see what you all are more afraid of. See, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to put some stuff on the screen and I want to know what you're more afraid of. So in the room and online, are you more afraid of snakes or spiders? Raise your hand if you're more afraid of snakes. Okay, raise your hand if more afraid of spiders. Oh, okay, yeah, see, I agree. Snakes went out because that created the fall of humanity, right? So absolutely. So now this next one, let me ask you, are you more afraid of what I'm doing right now, public speaking, or are you more afraid of jumping out of a perfectly good plane? Skydiving, raise your hand if you're more afraid of public speaking. Okay, raise your hand if you're skydiving, you're more afraid. Oh, wow, okay, skydiving definitely went out. Yeah, why would you do that? Anyways, uh, now this last one, before, okay, before, okay, I was gonna say before I put it up, but it came up. Are you more afraid of toddlers or teenagers? Raise your hand if you're more afraid of toddlers. Okay, now raise your hand if you're more afraid of teenagers. Oh man, we got two hands up on both. Like some people are like, oh man. See, anybody who has a teenager right now is more afraid of toddlers, right? Anybody who has toddlers right now is more afraid of teenagers because you're like, oh, but just be ready. It is coming. Well, if you couldn't tell today, we're talking about fear. And there's so many different things that fear causes within us. And there's so many different things we're fearful of, right? Snakes, spiders, sharks. Maybe you have a fear of flying. Maybe you have a fear of having seen snakes on a plane. Like whatever it is, there's so many things that we, are fearful of that keep us from moving forward. And that's what one that's what this series is all about. Now, for me, I don't have the fear of heights. Does anybody in here have the fear of heights? Anybody in here? Oh, a good amount of you. Okay, listen, before a couple of years ago, I had never experienced what you've experienced. But recently, I experienced a fear of heights. So I'm in my house, and all of a sudden, I started hearing this metal sound, like this banging sound or something. I don't know what it is. So I'm walking around my house. I'm like, okay, what, what, what is, where is it coming from? And I realize it's coming from outside. So I step outside my front door, and I'm trying to find out where it is. I'm trying to pinpoint it. I end up going back around my house to my backyard. And there's this storm coming. So the wind was blowing really hard. And I hear the metal clanging sound all the way. And I look towards the roof, and I notice that my gutter is like the top of my gutter is doing this, right? It's shaking in the wind. It looks like a bracket had been broken. And this is like the biggest gutter we have. It's from the second story down to the basement. So I was like, I need to fix this because if I don't, this storm coming will probably rip it off and I'll have to fix a whole gutter. So I grab my ladder and I grab my tools and I lean it against the house. And so I scale the ladder, I go up to the top and I can't go to the top here because, you know, insurance and my team doesn't trust me. So, <laughs> and so I get to the top of the ladder and I can just barely touch the bracket. You know that spot where you're like, oh, I wish it was closer. So I come back down and I move the ladder closer, right? I just change the angle a little bit. That's fine. And so I climb back up and I'm able to start working on it. It's right here and I've grabbed it. I've got the bracket. I've got the tools. I'm starting to fixing it. And while I'm doing this, a gust of wind comes and I, the ladder goes like, like this. I, right? You know where I'm going with this. And when that happens, A, A, I'm like, what the heck? And then B, it hits against the house and a screw falls. And it's like slow motion. I look at the screw and I watch it and I watch it and I watch it. And then I realize how high up I am. My palms got sweaty. My knees got weak and my arms were heavy. And I was frozen at that moment and I didn't know what to do. Have you ever been there? You ever been in a place where you were so scared and you couldn't move forward? See, our series is called Refocus. 
And it's all about the emotions that come out of nowhere that well up inside of us as we're doing life, as we're living life. But many times, if those emotions go unchecked, it can ruin our lives and it could cause you to freeze. And the fear I want to talk, the, the thing I want to talk about today is fear. Fear is something, doesn't it come out of nowhere most of the time? And when it hits you, you don't know what to do. You kind of get stuck. Or actually, fear causes you to do one of two things. It's what scientists call fight or flight mode. So your body goes into fight or flight mode whenever fear wells up, whenever you're faced with a sense of danger or stressful situation. And fight or flight mode is, uh, many of us might know, flight is you run away, right? Or you withdraw. Or if you're like me, my Miami kicks in and I fight. I'm like, I'm going to take this on. I'm going to take you out, right? But what happens is that's actually design. It's actually what you're supposed to do. It's what your body is supposed to do when you're faced with danger. See, because healthy fear protects you. Healthy fear is actually something that protects you that you need in your life. It protects you from things like harm, right? From harming yourself. It's the reason you don't keep putting your hand in the fire over and over. It's the reason you grab your child before they run into the street, right? Healthy fear also protects you from failing. There's a big test coming up. You're so scared you might fail that you actually study. Maybe the night before, but you actually study. Or if you've got a big presentation at work and you don't want to look dumb, you prepare for that presentation and so you don't fail. Healthy fear also keeps you from making unwise decisions, like jumping off a cliff without a parachute or petting a porcupine. It helps you from making unwise decisions. But that's not what I want to talk to you about today, because we all know that. I actually want to talk to you about what unhealthy fear does. See, unhealthy fear does what it did to me on top of that ladder. Unhealthy fear causes you to freeze, causes you to, to be debilitated. Unhealthy fear actually steals from you. See, You know what I'm talking about if you've been in a situation where unhealthy fear steals your sanity, steals your peace, right? It steals your ability to move forward. It steals your ability to think, to dream. It keeps you from stepping out in faith. That's what unhealthy fear does. There's this great theologian who has a quote all about fear and what it does to us. So here's what Master Yoda says. Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate, and hate leads to suffering. Now, I know Yoda isn't real, but he's on to something here, right? (laughs) Because fear does lead to suffering. Because you know what fear does? It can cause you to not want to leave your house. It can cause you to not go on that vacation because you're afraid of what might happen when you travel. And it can cause mental illness where you're so stuck because you're so focused on what you're fearful of that you can't move forward. And it's interesting, some of you are um, nodding your head with me because you've been there. You've felt what I felt on that ladder. You've felt what I felt many times in your own life where you are just so stuck because it's all you can focus on. So for the rest of our time, I want to talk about how do we refocus our fear? How do we move off our fear? How do we move to what my people say the opposite of fears, which is what? Courage, right? How do we gain courage? How do we not have fear and have courage to do what we need to do? So we can refocus. Now, just to let you know, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is just doing what you're fearful of, scared. You're just doing it, scared. You're just going forward, even though you're scared. You keep moving forward. So to, talk, to look at that today, what I want to do is I want to look at a guy named Joshua from the Bible. Joshua is one of my favorite leaders in the Bible. Because, listen, he led the conquest of Canaan. He led the nation of Israel into the promised land. And this happened during um, the Bronze Age from 1200, between 1550 to 1200 BC. 
and here's what ended up happening. The Israelites, under Joshua's command, they invade Canaan from the eastern side of the Jordan River from their encampment in the plains of Moab. And so Joshua has all this courage, and they take over all these people, and they finally live in the place God has promised them. And that's so inspiring. But what I love to study is how does someone get to that point? How does someone become that courageous where they can lead a nation to overtake a bunch of people that they were actually supposed to lose to? And so I want to rewind and look at the life of Joshua. Just kind of like I've mentioned this podcast that I love listening to called How I Built This. That podcast is all about how entrepreneurs start a business from scratch and grow it to a multi-million dollar company or even a huge organization. And it talks about the adversities they face and how they had courage in the midst of their fears. So let's look at Joshua by starting when he was under Moses' leadership. So we're going to go all the way back to Charleston Heston times during the Ten Commandments movie, right? And, and, and Moses is standing in front of the Pharaoh and he's saying, let my people go because God's people were enslaved under the Pharaoh. And through a series of miracles, Moses is finally able to convince uh, the Pharaoh to let his people go. And what happens next is amazing, right? He leads this whole nation out of slavery and through the desert towards the promised land. He leads them to a place of the Red Sea where God splits the sea and they walk right through it on dry land. God provides manna from heaven and water whenever they need it, food and sustenance every single day of their lives. And here's the coolest thing. You got to go back and read this in Exodus. Um, God leads them to the promised land with a pillar of clouds during the day and a tornado of fire at night. Just think about that imagery. That would make you have courage, wouldn't it? You would not be scared. So now we're at the edge of Canaan and Moses is sending spies into the land and he sends 12 spies and they come back with an incredible report. They're like, guys, 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 this is everything we had hoped for. We won't have to keep moving around and wander through the desert. We'll be able to set up shop here and set up our families and have security and safety and the food. I mean, the grapes are enormous. It's like, you got to read it. It's what it says in the Bible. It's amazing. But then something happens. All of a sudden their tune changes and they get scared. And that's where we're going to pick up because they say we can't attack these people. Here's what the spies say. They say, but the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. Yes, the land was amazing, but there's these people in the land that we can't attack them. They're so much bigger and stronger than we are. The Bible just calls them the Nephilim, essentially giants. Uh, imagine these people are someone you run into in a dark alley. Someone like Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, The Undertaker, or maybe if you're an old school wrestling fan, Andre the Giant, and you just run into them and you're like, you're going to eat me. Like, that's all you can think about. That's, that's what they were seeing. And so there's this land filled with the Nephilim, these giants. So they're just being realists. They're saying, we can't attack them. We're stronger with them. But here's the problem. God didn't say worry about them, did he? He said, I've given you this land. I've promised this land to you. But their fear was so strong. And what happens when you have fear? It's all you can focus on. And what happens when it's all you can focus on? It's all you talk about, right? So here's what happens next. The spies ended up spreading among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said the land we explored devours those living in it. And all the people there were of great size. Every person we saw was of great size. All they could focus on was their fear. All they could focus on was this Nephilim, the giants who were right in front of them. And yes, if I was in their shoes, they were being realistic, weren't they? 
I mean, put yourself in their shoes. I would be scared too. And I would talk about it. I mean, when I'm scared about something, I talk about it, right? But here's the problem. When we talk about it so much, we talk ourselves into fear, don't we? And we talk ourselves out of doing what we hoped to accomplish. You, we've all done this. Imagine you're trying to have this conversation. You're supposed to have a conversation with someone, but you start playing the what if game. Well, what if they reject me? What if they get angry at me? What if they don't like what I said? And you talk yourself out of fear. I mean, into fear, don't you? Or maybe there's a job you need to move to take a job or you want to switch jobs. And you're like, man, if I take this job and it's not what I hope it was, or I move my family and it's not what I thought it was, they're going to be upset. So I'm scared and I'm just, I'm going to talk myself out of it. It could be even as simple as working out, right? You talk yourselves, he's like, oh, I might get hurt or I'm going to be tired the rest of the day. So you talk yourself out of working out or even that relationship. Maybe there's a relationship you want to commit to, but you're so scared. And instead you talk yourself out of it. You've all done that, right? We've all done that. And so that's what was happening. They started spreading this report among all the Israelites. Now, there was actually two spies who didn't fall into that trap. Do you know who one of them was? Joshua, exactly. So Joshua in the text picks up here and says this, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes. When I read that, I was like, that's serious. They were so distraught by what was happening. They're like, you guys don't understand. You, why are you so afraid? Here's what he said. The entire, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. And here's what he says next. He says, if, sorry, slide. <laughs> if the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land. A land flowing with milk and honey, which means a land of abundance. And we'll give it to us. They were so upset that, that people weren't understanding that the Lord will give them the land. A land that is not like the desert. A land that has food, water, whenever they need it, protection, shade from the sun, um, security, because they could stay there and fortify themselves and protect themselves from bandits and any other enemies. And they were so angry that the people would, were so scared and talked themselves into fear. And here's what they said. They said, listen, even though only do not rebel against the Lord, is what they said. And do not be afraid of the people of the land. Why? Because they're not going to eat us. We're going to eat them. We're going to devour them. Their protection is gone. You know why? The Lord is with us. So do not be afraid of them. You see, what I love about Joshua is he was trying to refocus the whole nation of Israel onto the promise that God gave them. See, Joshua didn't focus on the problem. He focused on the promise. And what happened is everyone there was focusing on the problem. And it caused them to say, we can't enter that land. Now, you know what happened next? They didn't win. It was two against the nation. Fear won out that day. See, because the message spread so quickly, which is what fear does to us, it causes us to just spread this message and it overtakes you and it's such a strong emotion. They started crying out to Moses, their leader at the moment, and said, what have you done to us? Have you just brought us here to die? You should have left us in Egypt, which was under slavery, which that doesn't make sense. But you shouldn't have done this to us. And because of that, what happens next is so horrible. God tells them, hey, because of your lack of faith, because of your fearfulness and your lack of faithfulness, you're not going to be entered in the promised land. Now, you're going to wander the desert for 40 years until this generation dies out. <laughs> that's harsh. But that's what fear does, isn't it? You see, when fear wins out, you miss out. You miss it on the blessing. 
You miss out on the promises God has for you. You miss out on taking that step of faith or having that sense of satisfaction, accomplishing what you were hoping to accomplish or doing what you were wanting to doing. But that's what happens. And that's what happened to the Israelites. And, and it wasn't until that whole generation died out that Joshua stepped in. So fast forward 40 years, that generation is gone. And now Moses has passed the mantle off to Joshua. And God's speaking to Joshua. And Joshua's like, I'm scared. I can't do this. Why? We've been wandering for 40 years. I'm tired. The people are tired. And so here's what God says to give Joshua a little bit of a pet talk. He says this, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. I've told you, and this is the third time in the same breath that God is talking to Joshua saying, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. Why? He said, continues, he says, do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. And I can just imagine Joshua hearing God say, are you kidding me, God? We're outmanned because people have died. So they've probably gotten more people. We've lost people. We've been wandering. So we're tired. They have strength. I'm, you're telling me to lead people into a place I haven't seen in 40 years and to lead them into where last time we talked about this, we quit. We gave into our fear. We froze. But what I love what God didn't tell Joshua, he didn't say to Joshua, don't feel afraid. He didn't say, don't be discouraged. See, essentially you can feel afraid, but not be afraid. You can feel discouraged and not be discouraged. You don't have to be discouraged. You can have fear, but fear doesn't have to have you. That's essentially what God was telling Joshua. He was trying to encourage him. You know why? Because ultimately he wanted to remind him that I was with you because this is how he finishes this statement. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. See, God was refocusing Joshua's perspective to not on what he couldn't see, but, but not what he could see, the problem in front of him. But the promise he gave him was, I will be with you. And that's all Joshua had at the moment, right? He's looking at his ragtag army, and he's looking at what he's supposed to come across and come conquer this promised land. And God is saying, I want you to have courage. But the way you're going to get courage is from a place of faith, that God is who he says he is and will do what he says he will do. And that's how he refocused his vision. And what I love about Joshua at that moment is he didn't cower. He didn't cave. He didn't quit. He didn't ignore his fears. He faced them. And instead of running from his fear, he went straight into him. Instead of flighting and fleeing and running, he fought his fears head on. And he, because you know why? He knew there was nothing he could do about his fears, about the moment he was in, about his circumstances by way of changing them. What he could do was changed how he faced his fears. I love what Judy Bloom, the children's author, wrote in her novel, Tiger Eyes. She says this, each of us must confront our own fears. We must come face to face with them. How we handle our fears will determine where we go with the rest of our lives. To experience adventure or to be limited by the fear of it. See, for fear, it could easily limit you. Or if you overcome your fears, if you face your fears, if you fight your fears, you can live the adventure. You can step into the potential, the promise that God has for you, the purpose he has for your life. So each of us must confront our own fears. How do we do that? How do we actually face our fears? Because what we have in front of us is so scary, right? But see, the problem is, 
we put our faith in something. And so we've got to refocus what we put our faith in. We've got to really shift what our perspective is and refocus where we put our faith. Because fear is not the absence of faith. Fear is just faith in the wrong thing. For example, if you are so scared that the economy is going to crash, your faith is in your finances or it's in your investments. If you are so scared that you might lose your job, your faith is in job security. If you're scared your kids might not become who you want them to become, then your faith is in your kids. Or maybe your faith is in your reputation. Maybe you're scared you might never get into a relationship. So your faith is in someone else comforting you. See, fear is just faith in the wrong thing. Because here what, what happens is when we focus on those things, we can't move forward and everything becomes centered around the problem we see. So the way to refocus, we've got to refocus our faith into something different. And what I want to do is I want to fast forward 100 years later because the Christians in Corinth right now are having this, a, such a, the same problem as the Israelites. And Paul kind of gives us the answer of how to gain this courage, of what to put our faith in. And so here's what's happening. The Christians in Corinth are being persecuted. They're being physically hurt, and some of them are being, are even being killed. And Paul wants to encourage them. So he writes this letter. And in this letter, he says this. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. He's saying, listen, don't lose heart. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't freeze up. I know you're being persecuted. I know your bodies are being hurt. But listen, inwardly, you're being renewed. And what that means is you're gaining courage and strength and you're giving the rest of us courage and strength every single day by having faith, by trusting. You're being renewed every single day. And then he says this next statement, which is kind of controversial, but stick with me, I'll explain it. Because he says, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. This is a very confusing, Paul is generally confusing. So like, I have to study this verse. But what he means is what you're facing now is actually just a moment in time and light of eternity. What you're facing now, you will get through and you will get, you will give glory to God when you get through it because you will face the persecution. You will make it through and you'll have strength and courage. Now, I'm not trying to make light of whatever you're scared of, but let me give you an example of what this means. Have you ever been through, have you ever been through something so scary at the moment, but now you look back and you go, oh. I made it. I did it. I remember I've talked about Hurricane Katrina and losing everything in here. Every time I think about that now, I'm like, wow, I really trusted God through that. And now I can face almost anything that comes my way that is so scary because I've already been through it. That's essentially what Paul was saying. Eleanor Roosevelt speaks to it in this way. She says, you gain strength, courage, and confidence by every experience which you really stop to look fear in the face. You're able to say to yourself, I've lived through this horror. I can take the next thing that comes along. So you must do the thing you think you cannot do. Do you see what Paul was trying to say and what Eleanor was saying? Is once you've been through something, you can face your next fear because you've gained strength. You've gained courage. And where does that courage come from? It's by your faith in your heavenly father. And it's where you focus on in your life. Is it on the fear or is it on the future? See, here's what Paul finishes up with, with this statement. He says, so we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. 
since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Paul is telling us your vision determines your direction. Your vision determines how you feel. Your vision determines your courage. And he's saying, stop fixing your eyes on what's in front of you. Stop fixing your eyes on what you can see. Fix your eyes on what is unseen. The author and perfecter of your faith, your heavenly father. Only he can give you strength. Because when you focus on that kind of faith, you'll get through what you're facing. And you'll get through what's next in your life. And so we've got to fix our eyes on what is unseen. You've got to fix your eyes on what is unseen. Because when you do that, when you realize that you will focus, you won't focus on your fears, but you'll focus on the one who can calm your fears. You'll focus on the one who can help you overcome your fears. You know why? Because when you focus on him, he loans you his strength because your faith is in him. And when you have his strength, you can conquer anything in your life because you're doing it for his glory and not your own. That's how we move forward. That's how we fight our fear. That's how we face our fears. Back to the ladder. So I'm at the top. And I'm looking down. And I can't move. I feel like this is it. The ladder's gonna, the, wish, the wind's gonna push, push me and I'm gonna die. But at that moment, I'm reminded of a verse that Annie and I used to say whenever our kids were in the hospital or whenever we were going through something so tough. And the verse was what David wrote in Psalm. And he said, When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. And when I I kept repeating that to myself, and because of that, I got myself out of the moment and was able to look up and was able to finish my task and say, thank you, God. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. And I kept looking up as I walked down, saying that verse. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. And maybe you're not facing a height situation or dealing with a ladder. But that God who was with me that day is the same God who's with you today. And that God is the God who maybe you're struggling with a broken relationship and you don't, you're so scared to talk to that person to fix the relationship. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Or maybe you just received a diagnosis or you're in the middle of a diagnosis or you're in the middle of something with your health. When I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you. Or maybe it's a parenting struggle if you have kids. When I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you. And maybe that's what we need to do today. Maybe that's what we need to remind ourselves. Maybe that's just what we need to say is that I need to fix my eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen, and I will put my trust in him, the only one who can help us overcome our fears, the only one who can get us out of our situation, out of that mindset, so we're not debilitated, we're not discouraged, but we have courage to keep going forward. The band's gonna come and play a song right now. And during this song, I want you to ask yourself, I want you to ask this question. What's your focus? What's your focus? What, is, what are you focusing on so much? What is stealing your attention right now that's causing you not to move forward? What's causing you to be stuck wherever you are and you're so frustrated about it because it's all you can focus on? There's this line in the song that says, I'm no longer a slave to fear. 
And that's a declaration statement. That's a statement that's like, I'm no longer a slave to fear. But that's not the truth I want you to hold on to this morning. Because that statement is only true with the second part of the lyric that says, I am a child of God. See, you are no longer a slave to fear for those of us who are followers of Jesus because you're a child of God. You can't just say that statement and hope it goes away, right? Paul wasn't saying that. Joshua didn't do that. He didn't just close his eyes and say, make it go away. That's not how it works. But because you're a child of God, you're no longer a slave to fear. So during the song, think about how you need to respond. Maybe it's you need to stand up and make that declaration and say, I'm no longer a slave to fear because I am a child of God. I am a child of the one true king. But maybe you need to sit there this morning and just receive and say, I'm so scared, God. I can't even sing that right now. I need you to remind me of that, that I'm no longer a slave to fear because I'm a child of God. Maybe you're so stuck and you're, and I've brought up so many fears right now that you need to come to the front and just give it to God and say, God, I don't know what to do. I'm giving you my fears. I'm stuck. I don't want to be a slave to fear, but I am right now. And then lastly, maybe you're in this room and you're not a follower of Jesus. And this is a time for you to say, I've been stuck. I've been doing this on my own. I need someone to help me fight my battles. And God can do that with you. He can give you the courage to do that. So maybe today your declaration is, I've chosen to follow Jesus. I am no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Regardless, if something's stirring within you, that's the Holy Spirit prompting you to make a decision this morning, regardless of what it is, to trust God, to follow him, to leave at his feet, or to make that declaration. However it is, don't leave here without focusing on that and answering what the Holy Spirit is trying to tell you.